Hi guys, welcome to the Irish Balance Podcast, episode eight. We're getting there. Oh my God, we're flying through this first series. Um, I'm really excited to bring you today's episode. Um, but first of all, I'm going to give you a very quick introduction to who I am if you haven't heard of the podcast before or you haven't heard of the Irish Balance before. So my name is Kira. I'm an Irish girl and a qualified medical doctor. And I run the blog, theirishbalance.com. And I'm also at The Irish Balance on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. So who am I? Well, I'm a qualified medical doctor and blogger and currently doing a one year full time master's in public health and nutrition in Dublin. I started my blog in 2016, so over two years ago now, because I'm really passionate about public health, preventative medicine and health promotion, particularly how our lifestyles affect our health through the food we eat, the exercise we undertake, stress management, sleep, the topic of today's episode and our social well-being. I use my blog, my social media, my podcast now as well to show you how we can empower ourselves to live happy, healthy lifestyles that are full of balance, not restriction. I do really hope you guys are enjoying this first series of my podcast. I'm really enjoying creating it and loving creating it actually. And I've gotten such lovely feedback from all of you. So thank you to everyone who's downloaded the episodes so far. And if this is your first time listening, welcome and happily for you, there are uh, several episodes you can tuck into after this one. So today we're going to talk about sleep. For me, sleep is a key pillar of health and it's only something that I've really begun to become quite aware of the importance of in the last maybe 18 months or so. I wrote an article on my blog halfway through last year called My Top Sleep Secrets to Take Back Your Bedtime after about six months of really diving into the area of sleep research and a fantastic book um, I read called Why We Sleep by Professor Matthew Walker. It was quite a famous book um, over the past year so I think a number of people read it and I'm sure some of you listening to this have read it too. It absolutely blew my mind and convinced me the second I closed the book that sleep was going to be a number one priority in my life and that I wanted to share the learning with you guys. So as many of you know from following me through the podcast, the blog or in social media, I'm a big advocate for sharing ways we can optimize our health through aspects of our lifestyle and in simple ways, not complicated or radical ways. So in my book, as I say, those key areas are the food we eat, exercise, managing our stress, getting proper sleep and having a good social life. And one of the main reasons I'm so passionate about sharing the message around sleep with you guys is because it's something that I'm actively trying to improve in my own life too. And I think it's really nice that we can all learn about it together and take on the challenge together too. So as a doctor, sleep deprivation and shift work are pretty common in my profession. Now I am doing my master's this year, but having finished three years hospital training um, midway through last year, I was no stranger to the night shift and I'm sure many of you listening aren't either. Personally, I've always been an early bird right from when I was a baby. According to my mum, I used to go up at half six or wake her up at half six before I could even walk. Um, so I'm usually at my most productive and energetic in the morning. I get up about six o'clock or just before six every day. I really love morning time. It's kind of like my power hour. And I find it to be a really peaceful time of day when my head is clearest. I do my exercise. I read. And when I get ideas for my blog or my podcast. And very importantly, when I enjoy a morning coffee too. So as a result, I've never really been a fan of late nights, except for social occasions, of course, because generally I really like having enough sleep to be at my best mentally and physically the next day, particularly in the morning at my favorite time of day. 
I began to become interested in sleep, like I say, about 18 months ago and began to really understand the what and why about the concept of enough sleep. Somewhere in my brain, the idea of getting seven to eight hours a night had been kind of passively absorbed. But why that number? And what was the benefit of sleep itself? We've all heard the phrases rest and repair or go sleep on it, but only kind of said casually and not really with a true understanding of what's going on in our bodies and our minds when we sleep or how and why it's so important for our short and long term health. The book that inspired me to really get into this area, like I say, is called Why We Sleep, The New Science of Sleep and Dreams, written by Matthew Walker, who is currently Professor of Neuroscience and Psychology at the University of California in Berkeley and the Director of the Sleep and Neuroimaging Laboratory there and an extensively published researcher on this topic. He has done some amazing podcast interviews, um, including a double part episode on the Feel Better Live More podcast by Dr. Rangan Chatterjee, who's a big role model to me. So I highly recommend checking that out to get really into the nitty gritty beyond my podcast tips. Because to say what I learned from Professor Walker was both eye-opening and inspiring is a total understatement. And I know that was true for anyone who read his book. As a result, sleep and the importance of sleep exploded across the headlines of social media and broadsheet media over the last year. Now, like I say, I do advise going checking out Professor Matthew Walker's podcasts because really he is one of the biggest researchers in this area and one of the biggest voices that's in social media about it and really gets into the nitty gritty science of sleep. So that's not what I'm going to dive into here because he'll tell you about it more than I can. What I'm going to do in this podcast is give you a quick overview of why sleep is really important for our physical and mental health and give you the four tips that I adopted last year for a good night tip. So why is sleep so important? Well, let's look at it in some numbers. Last year, Public Health England published some statistics on the health risks associated with a lack of sleep. And they found that adults who slept fewer than six hours a night had a 13% higher mortality risk than adults who slept at least seven hours. They found also that adults who slept less than seven hours were more were 30% more likely to be obese than those who sleep for nine hours or more. Amazingly, we spend about a third of our lives sleeping, which I still can't really believe. And actually, sleep disorders are very, very common. Some of you listening to this may struggle with sleep yourselves. And Public Health England estimated that one in every three people in the UK are affected by insomnia. And that 200,000 working days are lost in the UK every year due to insufficient sleep. So what is that sweet spot? Well, it's estimated that roughly between seven and nine hours of sleep a night is what we should be aiming for for adults up to the age of 65. And some recommendations you'll see will be seven to eight hours. So I generally go on the lines of definitely above seven and an average of between seven and a half to eight for me. Because what is consistent across all guidelines is to get a minimum of seven hours quality sleep per night. So what happens when we sleep? Well, we sleep in cycles. So we have a number of sleep cycles throughout our night's sleep and each one lasts about 90 minutes and they're divided up into stages, which you might have heard of before, non-rapid eye movement and rapid eye movement or non-REM and REM. When you fall asleep, you go into the first three stages of non-REM. So you'll have non-REM stage one, stage two and stage three, and then you go into your REM sleep, which is when you're likely to dream. And then the cycle repeats again. The issue is that it's become apparent that quite a number of us are not getting enough sleep, i.e. are sleeping below that seven hour sleep sweet spot per night. So why is this important? Well, the reasons are multiple. Sleep is essential for the optimal functioning of all of our bodily systems, but the ones that have received the most attention in research include our mental health, particularly our cognitive function and our risk of developing dementia later in life, our cardiovascular health, our metabolic health, 
with strong associations seen between sleep deprivation, obesity, insulin resistance, and the risk of developing type 2 diabetes. And finally, but not limited, limited to, our immune health. And it's really important not to forget that in addition to these physical and mental health risks in terms of bodily systems, on a population level, sleep deficiency increases our risk of harm to others by increasing the rate of human error. And that's true of lots of different professions. For example, car accidents on the way home from a night shift, medical errors in the healthcare professions, and that's just a name but a few. Okay. Time for some positive, actionable tips to help us nod off at night. I really don't mean to scaremonger in this podcast episode either, because I really wanted to help you guys to focus on having an increased awareness of the harms of sleep deprivation, both short and long term. And therefore, after listening to this, feel empowered to go back and take back your bedtime to improve both your sleep quantity and quality. The side note I want to mention here is that I'm really, really delighted that I'm going to be doing my thesis for my master's on the whole area of shift work and health. So I have begun a deep dive into the research on this area over the last couple of weeks, and I do plan on sharing hopefully um, some blog posts and a podcast episode or two on this topic um, as I educate myself quite a bit on it over the next six months. I'm very much fascinated by this area, so I am really excited to get into the area and try and distill some of it down into some key learning for those of you that I know do work shifts and have asked me about doing posts on it before. And if you do want to see any of that content on my blog, I have done um, a blog post uh, over a year ago now on the tips I used to follow when starting night shifts. And I will try and update that as I learn more as part of my master's. So let's get into my top tips to take back your bedtime. So number one is to get yourself a relaxation routine because the perfect night's sleep, well, perfect might be a strong word, but a good night's sleep starts long before you get into bed. And being honest, this is the tip I find hardest to stick to. So let me ask you this. Can you sleep when you're feeling wired? No, me either. So that's why creating a routine around your bedtime that soothes and relaxes your mind and body is so important. So in the hour or ideally 90 minutes, but we all have to start somewhere. And I find the hour before bed is the easiest place to start. So in the hour before your bedtime, make it your mission to power down. We're going back to that bedtime we had as kids, guys. That means a few things. First, reducing or eliminating your screen time on the television, tablet, phone, you name it. And this, like I said, is an area that I do find really tough and it's because I use my phone for so many things or I'm finishing stuff on my laptop. And often I feel like I have to catch up on emails or blog writing or Instagram messages or posts after a day at work or college. But I do know that taking in a lot of screen stimulation before bed is only going to keep my mind awake and that's probably true for you too. As well as also not forgetting the well-known blue light phenomenon. If you haven't heard of this, it refers to the fact that our phones and tablets emit a light with a high concentration of blue light, which has actually been found to have a suppressing effect on our sleep-inducing hormone melatonin. And this can actually negatively affect both our sleep quantity, quality and onset. So what do we do about it? Well, what I'm trying to do is in the time before bed, switching off, not having a screen with me, not choosing that time of night to jump out for a run, Instead, reading a book, chatting with family, a housemate, partner, listening to calming music or doing some short meditation. These are all really helpful ways to help soothe you into a more restful night's sleep. I personally really like reading for half an hour before I go to bed, but do find what works for you. So number two is timing your caffeine right. So hands up, I'll admit it, I love coffee, but 99.9% of the time I make sure I have it before noon. 
Caffeine, as many of you guys know, is a stimulant, but what many of you might not know is that it has a half-life of roughly five to six hours. The half-life is the time it takes to eliminate half the caffeine you ingest. So as you can see from that example, it does take quite a while to get rid of all of the caffeine out of your system. And as well as that, due to our individual genetics, each of us varies in the speed with which we metabolize caffeine. The average cup of joe of about 200 mils volume has roughly 90 to 100 milligrams of caffeine and an upper limit of 400 milligram per day is what has been deemed safe for most healthy adults. Of course, caffeine isn't just found in coffee. Other well-known sources include, of course, tea, chocolate and energy drinks. So if you find you're struggling with sleep and you can't figure out why, a good place to look is your caffeine intake over the day. And remember, decaf does have a little bit of caffeine in there too. If you're making it through three or four coffees or teas in a day and you're having them right before bed and sleep's an issue, that's a really good place to try and make a change. Number three is get active during the day, every day. So among the absolute endless lists of benefits that physical activity provides, improved sleep is really high up on that list, both in terms of improving sleep quality and quantity. Studies have actually shown these improvements occur in those with clinically diagnosed insomnia as well as the general population without and it gets even better. Just sticking to the simple basic physical activity guidelines of 150 minutes moderate intensity activity per week has been shown to improve sleep quality by up to 65%. So equally important to this too is trying to avoid exercising at high intensities in the two to three hours before bedtime. And really that makes sense when you think about the effect exercise has on our bodies. As I've said before, activity is technically a stress to the body because exercise activates our sympathetic nervous system. That's what gives us our fight or flight response we all know so well. So while regular exercise is really beneficial to our health, it is generally best to try and fit those more intense workouts into your day a little bit earlier. I don't really see an issue with you enjoying a gentle walk or stroll outside or doing some yoga before bedtime to try and move your body a little bit or freshen up, especially if you've been sitting down all day. But having a spin class go on right before bed or sprints might not be the best out. So the take-home message here is to, as much as possible, try and meet our national physical activity guidelines each day, making movement a regular, well-integrated part of your day. And as I've always said, in a way that you enjoy. And in particular, try to get some of that exercise in outdoors. For example, a lunchtime walk or a walk before work or a, work, a walk after work in the summer or spring when it's a bit brighter in the evenings. Because exposure to natural light during the day, particularly early in the day, helps set up your body's biological clock, what's called the circadian rhythm each day too. Finally, number four, which is what I call switching off for 60. Now I'm going to put my hands up and say this is very much a progress, not perfection goal for me, but this does bring us back to my first point about creating a relaxing bedtime routine. And I'm reiterating it in part four because it's so important and the hardest thing I think to implement. So as well as having our power down bedtime routine, this tip is a challenge for us to switch off for 60 minutes before you hit the hay. If 60 minutes, i.e. an hour, seems too much, start where I started and try 30. That's what I'm currently working on as of uh, 2019 because I got very good at 60 minutes before Christmas and then I fell off the wagon on that one. So I'm back on the 30 minutes before bed challenge. When I did switch off for 60 before bed, what did I learn? Well, quite a lot. I learned that, yep, it is achievable to switch off in that hour before bed despite struggling with it initially. And I learned that, yep, the world does keep turning if I haven't looked at my Instagram for 60, hours, 60 minutes before bed. And actually my mental health and my sleep was much better for having done so. And I was a lot less stimulated. I then implemented that in my morning too. So one thing I've definitely stuck to over the last kind of six to nine months is not using social media in the first hour of my day. 
And like I say, I'm eliminating it for 30 minutes before bed. So see what works for you in terms of this being a sleep podcast. I'd say try going with a bedtime rule first and see how your sleep improves. Okay, guys, that is your four tips. So let's have a little recap. We're going to create a relaxation routine. We're going to look at our caffeine and time it right. We're going to get our movement in as part of the day, every day, and we're going to try and switch off for 30 to 60 minutes. I really hope you guys really enjoyed this episode, that you're ready to make some positive changes to get a better night's sleep tonight. And I really hope that you've enjoyed the content in this podcast. I really wanted it to be informative, helpful, and empowering to you to improve your sleep hygiene, quantity, and quality. As always, I'd love to hear your feedback on the podcast episodes or on the blog or my social media. And you guys know where to find me. Just leave a comment on the podcast or send me a DM on Instagram, tweet me, pop me an email, whatever floats your boat. I'd love to hear from you. So on that note, have an awesome week. Let me know if you do try any of these sleep hygiene tips and I will talk to you guys on the next episode. Bye.